Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a very special midweek edition of the uh, Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast, a bonus edition, if you will. Um, we're recording this. Well, we've come back from Birmingham today on the Wednesday, so we're recording this uh, the the afternoon after the day before. Uh, Norwich City, of course, recorded a dramatic two-on win at St Andrews last night, courtesy of an Onel Hernandez ninety-fourth uh, minute. I think I clocked it out. Winner. That's uh, that's pretty good going. Six points uh, from from a possible six from two away games. That's um, yeah, they're, they're making progress slowly but surely on what is a, a relentless championship schedule at the moment. So we thought we'd bring you a, a bit of an extra episode to reflect on last night's game, but also to look forward as well um, to Coventry on on Saturday and also kind of a review of where Norwich City find themselves at this stage of the championship season. So Sam, I mean, we've we've travelled back from the Midlands today. Um, what did you make of last night? Eventful, dramatic. Very championshipy at times, but Norwich City probably getting points, maybe where their performance didn't necessarily deserve them to. Yeah, it didn't favour me writing the match report for them to be scoring in the ninety fourth minute, but I think they've shown a capability to grind out points, um, which is required in the the relentless championship schedule. I think if Dean Smith was given the choice, he maybe wouldn't have um, wouldn't have liked to had to show this side of his team twice so early on in the season, but. The fact is, as he's reiterated a number of times, when they look back at the end of the season, if they've been promoted, they're not going to be looking back thinking we weren't at our best at Sunderland, that we weren't at our best against Birmingham. They'll be looking back thinking what a vital um, six points and what a, a few days that was. So, um, you know, I think it's good news for Norwich. It's good news for Norwich fans. And the fact that they've shown that side is, is really encouraging. As you said, there are perhaps some underlying worries based on the performances against both Sunderland and Birmingham. They were both very championshipy affairs, as you said. They weren't classics by any stretch and they weren't good to watch. But I think Norwich maybe have earned that flack a little bit based on two very impressive dominating performances that they put in at Carrow Road before they went on their travels. So um, I think they've got a little bit of credit in the bank. And um, even if they didn't, I think very few football fans are going to complain about two wins in four days, so um, yeah, a good a good few days for Norwich City overall, really. Yeah, we, we, we're obviously going to talk about Juan Hernandez later on, but I mean, we we had a conversation just b- well before he scored. The game was one one. I think we were I can see trying to remember it, but where the, the the clock was ticking, but we were kind of talking about the fact that it would be it would have been four points out of a possible six from, from two away games at that point, and how that was the average of two points per game, that kind of magic number that you hear in the Championship. But to better that. To go and win two games—that's that, a real statement, isn't it? Of, of intent, particularly given what, what we discussed there about them not necessarily being at their best. It feels like that feels positive. It's a bit of a juxtaposition, even though they weren't at their best, they're still winning games, and that feels like a positive ultimately. Because as as Sam said, it's it's, it's points that that win prizes, and uh, and that prize, of course, being promotion back to the Premier League. Absolutely, that's the end game. But but it's the manner of it on Tuesday night to to win in that fashion. You're 1-0 down, not playing particularly well, certainly no control over the game. And in that respect, clear parallels with Sunderland on Saturday. Um, they get an equaliser. And and then to continue pushing, to continue looking for that winner. And between Omobama Daly's level and, and Hernandez's winner, they had two or three very good chances. You know, Josh Sargent, Timu Puki, to name but two. And... To get it in that fashion, almost the last kick of the game, then the scale of the celebrations on El Hernandez to be the epicentre of it, given his connections to Birmingham where he was last season on loan, the the Birmingham connection with Dean Smith as Villa, former Villa manager, and 
and then not that long after because it was pretty much kick off and, and blow the whistle the celebrations again with Smith his coaching staff the players over in that corner where there were 1700 travelling fans given where we were four, five, six months ago and that feeling of a disconnect and a fracture and things were maybe irreparably broken didn't feel like that last night when Smith's sort of turning, facing and punching the air towards the fans and they're serenading him in the opposite direction. It feels like it felt like last night, reconnection and and just building on that sense of togetherness. You, you, you can't do what Norwich have done as a group of players at Sunderland and now at Birmingham and question the togetherness and the, the, the willingness to fight for each other because that was abundant in these two games. Not the best Football they can produce, far from it, um, but they got the job done. And to do that, you can only do that in the Championship away from home. It doesn't matter whether it's Birmingham, lower-end team, or it's a Sheffield United, as it seems at the minute, or a Burnley, you know, at the top end. You need to have those minerals, basically, uh, to, to dig in when things aren't going your way and find a way. And now, two games in the space of three or four days, that group of players, that coaching staff, and many of the same travelling support have experienced all that together and I uh, you know I wrote in my point as you know that's what promotions are built on and it is premature because we're barely out of I think we're the last day of August so it is very premature but that's how you get a, a side promoted is by doing that when you're not at your best because there'll be plenty of days in this league where they will click probably at Carrow Road a lot of the time and they'll put teams to the sword and it'll be free-flowing it'll be champagne football but you also need the kind of days where it's it's a roll-up sleeves job and we'll worry about the elements that aren't quite clicking after. Let's just get three points, get back on the coach, get back to Norfolk. And boy, did they do that this week. Yeah, we, we were at an event, Sam, with, with Dean Smith and Craig Shakespeare um, earlier in the summer. And, and it was a quote from Shakespeare who, that's uh, <laughs> quite apt maybe, quote from Shakespeare. Um, but he, he, he said that... If, if teams were wanted to out-football Norwich, they would out-football them. But he also made the point that if they wanted to out-fight them, that, they, that Norwich would be able to roll up their sleeves and engage in that battle. It does feel like that's kind of what they've done in the, in the last two games. And I think what's, what's striking about finding a way, if we use that term, is they've done it in different ways in the last two games. One at Sunderland being, of course, a, a 1-0 win, kind of one that you'd, you'd look at as, as maybe an ideal away performance, that being not being at your best but winning. Um, and then last night was even different to that because they went a goal behind and that's a completely different prospect from from being a, being in a position where it's nil-nil or, or even a goal up. So it, it does feel like they're adding, sort of as, as Paddy said there, that they're becoming a little bit more multifaceted than, than perhaps they was. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Dean Smith was, was obviously had microphones thrust in front of him after another Premier League defeat and described them as having a losing culture. They, they've just won four on the bounce. It's quite a dramatic shift in terms of what they're doing at the moment. Yeah, and I think that ability to come from behind and win a game, which I don't think they've done in a long, long while, um, I think that was really important to see and really good to see um, from Norwich because, you know, as you said, Dean Smith suggested with the, the losing culture, I think it was very much a mentality issue. It felt at quite a lot of points last season, like as soon as Norwich conceded the first goal, heads went down and as well as fans, players started to believe that there was no way back into the game and there was no chance of securing a result. So I think there were good signs when they came from 1-0 behind to, to draw with Wigan and then obviously away at a tough ground at Birmingham in a typical championship game, a night game against a very physical side and when they weren't at their best, to be able to come back from behind and win that game dispels any belief that they, those psychological errors are, are still there. And I think 
if they're going to win the championship, which is absolutely the goal, they can't afford to, to be a team that believes they're going to lose or believes when they go a goal behind, they can't win the game. And thankfully, they've got this moment nice and early on in the season. And I think that sets them up really well by hook or by crook. They managed to do it. And now, if they go a goal behind Coventry um, in the first you know, 60, 70 minutes at Carrow Road, I still think there'll be full belief in those players that they can come back and win that game. And that's thanks to this one moment that I think will have a a big impact on Norwich and um, yes there are different ways to win even within the category of finding the three points even not at your best and um, to to see that from Norwich twice within the, the last few days has been really encouraging and um, I think that, that willingness and that ability to roll the sleeves up and engage in a, a physical tough battle is something that Norwich fans wanted to see a lot more last season and they, they didn't really so you know, to now appear to be seeing that on a regular basis, I think will be really encouraging for them. And to get over that barrier, I think will be psychologically um, massively helpful to the team. Mm, I think you said something interesting there in terms of kind of the the feeling that they could do it. I think that's that's probably more the case maybe externally than than internally because of the changes that they've had certainly. But I mean, as as we kind of spoke about there, taking supporters with them is is something that they're they're going to need to do this season. But Paddy, I'm sure there, there will be people who, who look at the performances of the last two games and go, they weren't where Norwich would want them to be. Probably Dean Smith chief in that because he, he's someone who spoke, who's spoken a lot about the importance of consistency in terms of performances, but also sort of quality within that, a, a quality, consistent level of performance. And that maybe hasn't been the case across the two games. Does it matter? Do, should people be concerned by the fact that they're maybe not at their best at this moment in time? No, I think they should go the other way and think, well, they're not at their best, but they're still four wins from four. They're two away wins on the spin. And as we've discussed, not identical away wins in, in different circumstances. They were asked different questions and they found a way. So I look at it and think, look, this will click This will click in terms of the, the structural side of it and what they're trying to do. And it's an important distinction, I think, home and away. There's clearly an issue here at the minute and I thought some of Smith's post-match comments on Tuesday night alluded to that. And we saw again, there was a similarity between Sunderland and Birmingham and it was Sonani and Dowell both hooked within 60 minutes. Mm. Um, And I'm not putting the the blame at their door for why it it feels not quite right away from home in the middle of the park, but the facts don't lie. And uh, I think Dean Smith knows that Whereas I'm pretty sure Coventry will come to Cairo this coming Saturday and we will see far more control, far more front foot football, far less, to use Dean Smith's terminology after the Sunderland game, sort of gaps in blades of grass or cuts of grass between front to back. You know, Structurally, they'll look a lot better as they did against Huddersfield and against Millwall. So there is something that has to be worked on there, I, I feel, in terms of the dynamic when you're at home as opposed to going away. But, you know, Plenty of time, plenty of resource available um, for him and his coaching staff to to deconstruct that. That they aren't, haven't looked to be in control of those two away games. Um, both of them started very well, didn't get the breakthrough, and then Sunderland weekend, Birmingham on Tuesday night, they allowed the home team to really impose their style on Norwich. I felt for the majority of that opening period, and then early part of the second half, and of course Birmingham scored in that period last night. Um, until Dean Smith changes it with the aid of a, an enviable list of resources, probably 
no other championship manager has got available to them that he can turn around and go Timu Puki, Adam Eder, uh, Eder, Todd Cantwell and Gabby Zara. I mean, dear, dear Lord, yeah, you just have to... You almost feel sorry for a John Eustace, Birmingham's uh, head coach, and, and in his post-match media, he talked about that, about that Dean Smith can essentially inject seasoned professionals with good pedigree and millions of pounds worth of player. He doesn't have that luxury. A lot of teams at this level don't clearly have that luxury. But Dean Smith has the resource, but he still has to use it and, and sense how the game is and then try and tilt it back towards Norwich's favour. And to give him his due, these two games, he's from positions that were looking a little bit perilous. He's managed to find a way with the aid of that envious, enviable sorry, cast list he can call in from, from the bench. So... Yeah, I, I don't think we, we'd be delusional if we said we, we were happy with the performance levels in these two games. I don't think any Norwich fan or media personality would look at the way Norwich have gone about it and thought, that feels comfortable, that feels in control, that feels like something that will be robust at home or away. There's work to do for me, clearly, and, and the focus is on the middle of the park, I think, as well. Um, they need to establish more control, more legs, as Dean Smith said, after the Sunderland game, because it isn't working in these last two games away from home, but... As he said, as Sam touched on, you know, after his uh, after he came in to do his media on Tuesday night, come next May, if they've achieved their objective, he principally, but nobody else should be bothered about how they played at Birmingham on a Tuesday night in August or Sunderland the two or three days before that. They got the results, and all, that's all that matters. Yeah, I think we should we should start we should start campaigns have uh, cuts of grass added to the metric system. We've got yards xg. Uh, yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, that's that's about as kids you get. But I mean, you mentioned the balance of the team. I think. Context is, is also important there because they're also playing... I mean, last night they had Sam Byron there, but they've also been playing a central midfielder and left-back. They've got, obviously, Liam Gibbs now absent. So the midfield is, is probably options of uh, of who's available. They're essentially playing two very, very advanced midfielders in, in Nunez and Dowell in kind of eight positions. So it, there is still kind of square square pegs in round holes, I suppose. Obviously, Isaac Hayden to come back. They've got the three left-backs to come back, or two, and uh, Jacob Sorensen to play wherever they, they have an issue as uh, as tends to be the case so as you mentioned it, it's still not completely balanced off particularly in the midfield but it does feel like maybe they will get there eventually um, because of um, because of obviously the, the players that they've not got available and also they're doing it with players like Jordan Hugill Milo Rashica left left at home whilst they did I mean it's, it's the incredible embarrassment of riches that they have at this level compared to to, to, to other teams and the fact that they can make five subs, but only name seven still still feels very bizarre to me. It just feels like someone's not read the the rules of how many subs they're allowed to name when they when they made that rule change. But there we go. Um, Sam, let's talk about Onel Hernandez. He's he's running down the wing for Norwich fans, and they're loving it. I mean, that was probably what what he needed. I think we we've spoken about promise and positivity from from him in terms of his performances in recent weeks. What's been lacking is end product, but when Timo Puki slipped him in, that was some end product. Yeah, it's something he's needed to add to his game for a number of years now, really. And I will say, even from an impartial point of view, it is fantastic to see somebody with that attitude, with that amount of love for a football club that he turns out and represents doing well, because that's what I think everybody wants to see. Everybody, Every football fan wants to look onto the pitch and see people like that that... You know, it almost feels like would die for the team that would that care about the team as much as they do, and I think Norwich fans have maybe struggled with that. I think the the assumption immediately when a team is doing badly amongst fans, and it's understandable, is that oh they don't care or um, 
you know they're they're not willing to put themselves on the line, and that's never ever going to be a question for with Ono Hernandez. I think Norwich could go back up again and finish with zero points, and still nobody would ever question whether he cared or whether his heart was in it for Norwich City. So I think to see him doing well for the club is is fantastic to see, and as you said, adding that end product has been a big big requirement for him for a long time now. I think if he had that end requirement and somebody who works for Birmingham said this to me yesterday obviously saw a lot of him towards the back end of last season he said if if he had that consistent end product he would easily be a Premier League player and I think that's absolutely the case and you can see that with the ease with which he can take on defenders he, he looks an absolute nightmare to play against for a fullback and if he can just add that consistent output I think he can be a, a real dangerous player on a regular basis you know unfortunately he's getting to the stage now he's 29 where he probably doesn't have much time left to improve. So the fact that he's now starting to do it, probably as the doors are starting to slide, I think is is very encouraging for him and he'll be delighted with that at this stage of his career. So, um, yeah, I think he can be a massive asset for Norwich going forward. But it's just about, as we've said, about the team's performances, as well as other individuals, you know, Todd Cantwell, um, Josh Sargent. It's now about showing that consistency, and if he can do that on a more regular basis, then I think he's quids in because earlier in the season he was showing moments like this, to be fair, and then he gets the start against, I think it was Millwall, and didn't really particularly impress despite Norwich winning. So, you know, I don't think this one performance, as incredible as he was and as exciting it is to see, to see him doing well, I don't think we can forecast him as a key player for Norwich for the rest of the season just based on that. I think we need to see two, three, four games where games where he's, you know, at least threatening to provide assists and goals, and then we can probably say that Hernandez is uh, is reaching that peak that I think he was he was at in twenty eighteen nineteen. Yeah, was it? Um, I've got ten goals and eight assists in my head, but I, I might have got the numbers nine, the wrong way around. Nine goals, maybe. Maybe it was nine. We'll, we'll look at it. It was, it was a significant amount of goals and assists that he managed in that first title-winning campaign. Obviously, injury struck kind of in the in the second one, and there was a Premier League season between that where he he probably didn't get as much game time as he as as he would have would have liked. Um, there's there's obviously now, and, and it's worth adding as well. It wasn't just the goal, as, as Sam referenced there. He also there was a cutback for Timo Puki that um, you know in real time I was sat thinking how on earth has he missed that, but. Watching it back, Mark Roberts gets a very good touch on it, which basically means Puki has, has to kind of adapt the shot that he takes. And I think that, that probably puts him off balance a little bit. And there was also a wonderful cross for Josh Sargent as well, um, that the American international, certainly on current, current form, probably would have expected him to score, but um, failed to make any any kind of contact with. So his all-round game was good, but that that's probably created a discussion pad about kind of his role because there will be lots of people looking at it now and, and it's always difficult when you come off the bench and then you perhaps start a game and don't necessarily do well because you people want to cast you in this role as a super sub very quickly and, and that can stick if you keep keep performing off the bench and, and not doing it when you're starting games and obviously the conditions that he's walking into are different because he's facing wing backs or full backs who are tiring um, attackers that are tiring as well sometimes which can, can make that end product harder to come by but what 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 do you make of that? Is the perfect role from here, for him in this Norwich City team right here, right now, off the bench? Or do you see a possibility where he does start games and we do see that that output and that end product that he's been threatening for so so long, really, in, in a yellow and green shirt? For me, it's impact. But, but the caveat there is that Ramsey gets his opportunity on Tuesday night, doesn't really grasp it. Um, you know, Cantwell had a go there early in the season and for whatever reason, Dean 
in the last few games hasn't quite felt he can go with Cantwell on that side. So there isn't a, an, a, a, an outstanding alternative yet on that side. You know, maybe when Johnny Rose fit and, and Springett's in the mix as well, then we'll see somebody who can emerge. And you could argue on the right-hand side now, certainly Sonani, these last two games, for me, has taken a step back where he hitherto had looked like he'd ousted Rashica, um and, and was really pushing ahead and was really looking like he could cement his place. So I think both those wide areas um, are up for debate still. But I just think you go back to Tuesday night, but also the Huddersfield game when Hernandez came on and, and he didn't necessarily change that game, but it was getting a bit dicey. That was the, the game Norwich were 2 0 up and Grant Hanley gets backed into his own box and Huddersfield, 10 man Huddersfield, having you know had a man sent off around about the 55th minute, Norwich should have cruised to that win that night. It got very nervy, very jumpy because they hadn't obviously posted a win on the board up to that point of the season. And Hernandez came on and just um, tremendous. It was tremendous. He just took the ball, he drove, he kept it the other end of the pitch, well away from any danger. Um, Took players on, committed players, got the crowd up as well. Just changed the dynamic. You know what would have been seemingly a very tense and fraught passage to the finish line was pretty controlled on that night and. Off the back of that, he got his start, then he got another start, didn't grab it, and then he gets a cameo at, Huddersf- at Birmingham and we see more of the Huddersfield impact. So if you're empirically looking at the evidence just in this season alone, then he's an impact sub. Uh, and until he grasps his opportunity in a starting position, then for me, that's where you use him for, for the reasons you stated because he's getting dropped into situations where you know there is space opening up, there's tired defenders... Um, this fatigue factor, and uh, and he's making the most of it. His natural athleticism and dynamism and power um, are ready-made for those situations. So, for me, it's very simple. He's an impact sub. Norwich lucky in in the in the build-up to the second goal. Grant Hanley on Mark Roberts. I've seen it back. It looks like a foul to to me, to be honest. But then maybe that cancels out the the penalty one that they perhaps should have had on Josh Sargent in the first half. Well, if you want to cancel it out, that's fine, Connor. You you appoint yourself as the arbiter of the. Uh... Is that not how these things work? I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe it is. You do hear that. Is, there, is there anyone though with championship refereeing? No, I don't think point? so. I don't think so. Um, but for me, it was a foul. Grant Hanley has levered the lad off the ball before he's made contact with the ball. But it's in the middle of the pitch, and there seems to be a different sort of set of criteria that applies to t- challenges in the middle of the park as opposed to the penalty boxes. So. Um, it was pretty frenetic at that stage, and the referee was. If you look at the pictures, he's in fairly close proximity, but for whatever reason, he hasn't deemed that a foul. Maybe that's just the championship. You know, you can. I mean, there was, as as there has been in every game for Norwich, there's some seriously meaty challenges. Um, you know, we had that kind of set to with Omar Daly going to the deck, and you know, a bit of a melee, and that resulted in a couple of yellow cards. I think if that was a Premier League, you might have seen a different colour. So. I guess that's the championship. So in that context, probably not. But I'm pretty sure. Let's put it this way: if, this, if that had happened, if that was a Premier League fixture last night, I think that goal gets ruled out because they take it back and they look at that and they probably overturn it on VAR. Which, yeah, which would have been good after on our hand. Let's peel this shirt off and, yeah, yeah. and, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, when it comes to, I'm not. I'm, we've, we've spoken about enough about championship officials, but it feels like Norwich could have had a penalty in every game, particularly the the two at Sunderland. Uh, Josh, uh, Sam Byram got got pulled back, absolute stonewall penalty, yeah. but just does not get seen at, at this level for whatever reason. But um, yeah, I think slightly for, for um, slightly uh, lucky in, in in that regard. Sam, I mean, I, I've 
got people in my family who have supported Norwich for decades. Um, none of them have, have a Norwich City tattoo. But I'm also none of the, uh, not sure that any of them love Norwich City quite as much as Onel Hernandez does. Yeah, and I think he loves the area just as much. I think that twinning of the club and, and the people he, he knows from coming here, I think, is um, has really taken them to his heart. I think he spoke at another event that that we were at um for where sort of players answered questions from fans he said his uh, his girlfriend is from or his wife i don't know what, what that situation I probably should have researched that before partner, referencing it partner, say partner, his partner is from uh, from norfolk i think and um i think he he just really loves it here christoph zimmerman was similar so you can see these these lads from you know coming from foreign places really like being in norwich and like the midlands <laughs> well, what? Oh no, Hernandez. Well, hey, you boys are from the Midlands, aren't you? Oh, right. oh, yes, but yeah, I'm. Not, I'm not sure. Foreign I, uh, places. I certainly don't love it quite as much as as Hernandez. Just yeah, <laughs> it's a very very nice place. But no, I think that seeing that that twinning between a player and and the area and the club, I think is is fantastic um, to see. And you know, it's part of the reason why, as I referenced earlier, I think everybody, if they could pick a player to be uh, player of the season. At the start of the season, I think they would have chosen Ono Hernandez. He's the sort of character that everybody wants to see succeed. And, um, you know, I think you you can't be anything but happy for him. He's obviously absolutely desperate. You know, we spoke earlier about the fact that he's in the last year of his contract. So he probably knows if he doesn't have a good season, his time's up in, you know, from what he said, probably his favourite place in the world. And I think you can see him fighting for that future when he's on the pitch. So it's brilliant to see that. And, um, you know, I'm very pleased for him. And I'm, I'm sure if fans could pick a player to to be scoring winners like that last minute at Birmingham, they absolutely would choose Ono Hernandez. Yeah, yeah, re- really, really pleased for him. I mean, he, he obviously was, was served up as the player after the game and uh, kind of asked him about what it was like to be back and essentially said he walked into Colney to a load of people saying that the bull is back. I don't know what, if that is, that's obviously what he's referred to as behind the scenes. Not sure if that's... Um, because of a, a bull in a, chi- in a china shop and that old reference, I'm not sure, but I'm sure there's some some parallels that be, could be drawn there. Um, let's let's look ahead then. Norwich host Coventry on Saturday. Um, Paddy, I mean, you, I don't know how much you you kind of follow Coventry now, but what what should Norwich expect from from that encounter? It's obviously been quite a disruptive season for for Coventry so far. They've had some issues with their home game um, because of the Commonwealth rugby and, and the fact the pitch hasn't been particularly great. And by not great, I mean, probably hasn't had any grass on it. Um, so, yeah, what, what what are you kind of expecting for, from this game against Coventry? And, and what is the challenge that they're going to pose to Norwich City? Because, as you kind of referenced earlier on, it does feel like it might be slightly different, certainly to what they've had in, in the last two away games. Yeah, I was hoping that you were going to fill there, Connor. I'm just calling up the table. I knew they were bottom, but one point from the foot, and they've only played three games, which is directly related to the fiasco with the pitch, which I don't think we've heard the last of. I think the EFL will be. I think tonight, actually, as we record, is their first game at home, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'll just check that. Yeah, they're at home to Preston tonight, actually, as we record. So that's. That'll be 0 0 then. Well, yeah, but that's their first game uh, at the. Uh, CBS as it's known now, uh, formerly the Rico, and they'll probably get some punishment, certainly financial, maybe even points on that uh, scenario. So it's, if you're Mark Robbins, you're absolutely furious because they did have some momentum. They finished last season very well. They were in and around it, possibly ran out of games just to sneak into playoffs a la Luton. Um, 
But top ten, and you're looking to build on again. You know, they're they're a club who, like a, a lot of clubs in this league, do see themselves aspirations of getting into the or getting back to the Premier League, from which they were for quite a long period of time. Um, but I think the reality is now they've just sold one of their very good defenders, Dom Hyam. Uh, he's gone to Blackburn, I think, in the last day or two. Uh, there was, I think there was talk Burnley were after O'Hare, Callum O'Hare, the attacking midfielder formerly of Villa earlier this summer. That deal didn't go through. I don't think the clubs could agree a fee, but he was obviously a player who was linked with Norwich, although I don't believe there was anything in that directly from Norwich's perspective. So it doesn't feel like um, probably the, the, the structures are in place right at the minute for Mark Robbins to maybe build on what they did last season, which was a very, very solid... Uh, season at this level looking higher um, and they've just taken a step or two back but you know that makes them a bit of a dangerous opponent in terms of they'll they'll turn up at Car Road irrespective of how this game tonight at home into Preston goes they'll be turning up at Car Road and I'm sure Mark Robbins is both outward and inward messaging will be well pr- pretty much the result is, is done here most people will expect Norwich to win that game and as a result there is no pressure on Coventry to to come to Car Road and, and, and get anything because nobody probably really expects them to get anything. So they do have still some very good attacking players. Um, Hamer is still there and obviously O'Hare. So they can click Guy Keresh, the lad who's formerly from Brighton, who scored a lot of goals from last season. He's still in the mix. So I think they're in a false position, bottom of the table as it stands. Um, but you would, I would still think Norwich would expect on the run there on to, to roll it on and, uh, and pick up another three points. So... I can't lose this weekend, professionally or personally, I'm on a winner. <laughs> yes, you, you definitely are. Obviously, another manager with Norwich connections as well, Mark Robbins, which feels the case every other week, doesn't it, uh, at, at this moment in time. I, I think we'll leave it there, gents. That was um, we, we just wanted to, to kind of make it a, a relatively quick debrief. We've, we've gone for half an hour or so on, on yesterday's game, on El Hernandez, all that good stuff. Of course, we've... We've got another pod that we released after the Sunderland game, so obviously some of that context is maybe slightly outdated after last night, but if you haven't gone in and checked out, you can listen to it, of course, Pinkin.com, and the Pinkin Plus app is the place to go as well. It's obviously deadline day on Thursday, which um, if you have listened to this point and you're listening after Thursday, it's obviously completely irrelevant, but uh, as we sit here, here and now, probably expecting a relatively quiet one, could be famous last words, but we'll, we'll see. Obviously Norwich still hunting for a left-back, although that, that the last couple of touch points we've had with Dean Smith hasn't been particularly optimistic on on kind of that topic and um, I guess it's probably only really Milo Rashica we're watching from from an outgoing perspective and uh, and whether he Hugel as well that's a good point yep so so those two maybe on on the outgoing regard unless there's there's something that maybe that pops up that we're not expecting but we'll of course be across that as well Um, so all of our channels is is the place to go for that Um, yep there we go. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, and we will be back after the Coventry game for, for another debrief of another Norwich City football match in the Championship, which feels like they're coming every other day at this moment in time. But I think that's that's how we like it. Like uh, We like the players for the games rather than the, than the training. So, uh, yeah, all good stuff. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week. And uh, we'll see you again very, very soon.